Welcome back, Brooklyn Nets fans, as we react to what I would think is the toughest loss of the year, at least in my opinion, at least, because of uh, where we are in the season, the Cavaliers losing, so the Nets could have gained a game on them, and they lose in overtime to the Milwaukee Bucks, who um, we have had some tough time against in the past year or so, of course, losing in uh, seven games to them last year, and this felt a lot like Game 7, goes to overtime, Kevin Durant misses a potential game-winning shot again just like that game seven I think that was the tie but you get it same situation but um the Nets blow a eight or nine point lead with about four minutes left about three minutes 50 seconds left and they cannot hold on so this was just a you know for me at least I would say the toughest loss of the year and it's gotten to the point as a Nets fan where I am just over this season and I hate to say it because I'm always excited for Nets basketball even in the days when we had Donald Sloan playing point guard and Shane Lark and I was always excited to watch Nets games but now it's been getting to a point where it's so frustrating you add you know Sunday's game versus the Hornets a game that I was in attendance for so I wasted my money went out of my way to go to that game and they lose that game of course and then they lose this game tonight where once again they had a near 10 point lead with under four minutes left in a game where look it's not a must win quote unquote but these games are as close to must win as it gets and if this team was actually a good basketball team, they probably close this game out. I think most good teams in that situation close these games out. I don't care what the odds are for the NBA Finals or who makes out the Eastern Conference. This Nets team is not going anywhere near the Finals this year unless a lot of things change. And it's getting too late. You know, there was times where I was doing this podcast and, oh, there's 20 games left. Oh, there's 18 games left. Oh, there's 14 games left. There's like five games left right now. There's five games left. You know, we play the Atlanta Hawks on Saturday, which is a game that I think determines the whole season. I think it really comes down to that because if they lose to the Hawks, they're pretty much in the 9 or 10 seed for sure, and they would have to win two games in a row to even get a freaking playoff spot at that point. So they're just putting themselves in this very deep hole, and I just don't have any confidence whatsoever. Um, I told you guys last video, I don't think Ben Simmons is coming back. I'd be surprised at this point. So it just seems like everything's going wrong. I mean, the whole season's been going wrong, let's be honest, but just everything is just, it's getting to that point where, it feels like it's almost over, and I'm kind of relieved in a way because it's just, it's been such, this is probably the most frustrating season I've ever had. You know, maybe like the 2017 Giants, that was a tough year because, you know, they signed Brandon Marshall and everyone got hurt, so that was kind of frustrating, but at least for the Nets, like this has to be like the most frustrating Nets season I've had, you know, how last year ended coming off that Bucks series and guys getting hurt, and you're like, all right, well, now we got a full season of Harden, Kyrie, KD, and then the vaccine stuff happens. Durant, you know, hurts his MCL. He's out for about a month and a half. Harden forces his way out of Brooklyn, and just everything goes wrong. Joe Harris, who's been one of the best three-point shooters the past four or five years, he's out for the year. Ben Simmons, you trade for, he hurts his back, and it just feels like it's, it's just never-ending. So I'm just at a point now where it's like, this might have been the final straw for me tonight. You know, I'm still going to root for them, still hope they win, but I just cannot emotionally get as invested uh, as I once did because, like, just tonight took a lot out of me. I really thought they were going to win this game, get one game behind Cleveland. They play the Cavs later in this season, like probably a week and a half from now, and they could have got themselves in that seventh seed and got themselves a home playing game and – now it's not going to happen. So um, tonight, it's it's just one regular season loss, sure. But you just look at the standings and the situation and everything going on right now. The Hawks are playing well. And um, that was just a very tough way to lose. So 
we'll talk about the game, react to it. Um, that was a long ass intro, but <laughs> leave a like. Hope you guys enjoy and let's get into it. All right, so let's talk about the main things. First, we'll start with the Chris Middleton call. Um, I'll admit as a Nets fan, that was not a flagrant two. I thought it was a flagrant one. I was hoping he'd get tossed out, I'm not going to lie, and I'm kind of happy he did. I mean, unfortunately, it didn't even result in a win, but um, yeah, it was a bit of a dangerous play when you drag down on a guy's arm when he's airborne, but um, I guess in his defense, I mean, if you're Bruce Brown, like, why did he even, like, stop? Like, just keep going and dunk the ball. Like, I don't know why Bruce Brown even allowed Middleton to catch up, like, just if he jogged to the basket and dunked it, it would have been avoided. But um, yeah, that was kind of an odd call. Nets caught a break there for sure, but the officiating kind of got things uh, even later. I'll put it that way. So I don't want to harp on that too much, though. I mean, you know, of course, Kevin Durant did not shoot his first free throws until 52 or 52 minutes into the game, basically, almost 53. Um, so it was late in overtime when Kevin Durant got to the line, which is pretty inexcusable. I know Durant's more of like a pull-up mid-range type guy, but it's just kind of odd that he did not see the free-throw line as compared to Giannis, who went to the line, geez, I don't know how many times tonight, but um, so yeah, I mean, the Nets had a nine-point lead, 352 remaining in the game, I think it was like 109-100, something around there. And um, once again, if you're a good team, you're going to close that out, especially on your home floor. But the Nets have no home court advantage whatsoever. Um, I think one of the biggest plays in this game, and it's probably going to go unrecognized, was Seth Curry, who did have a great game in this one. But he dropped a potential steal when the Nets were up 110-107 with about 20 seconds left in the game right before Giannis made the three over Drummond to tie the game at 110. So if you remember that play... I think Giannis tried to drive into the you know right lane. He stopped, passed the ball out, and it ricocheted off Seth Curry's hands. Both hands, I think the pass was a bit too uh, hard for him. And he dropped it, and it went into like Pat Connaughton's hands. He gave it to Giannis, and then Giannis makes the three. But if Seth Curry gets that ball and holds on to it, we probably win that game for sure. So that was a pretty big missed opportunity right there. It's not a mistake on Curry's part. It was a tough pass to handle, but that's one that comes to mind for me. Um, the Bruce Brown play, the offensive foul, where at first it was called a defensive foul, I think. Then it got kind of reversed and called an offensive foul. So Bruce Brown pushed Giannis into KD, and if KD fell down, of course, and then it was called an offensive foul. And that was a point when the Nets were still up three with 30 seconds left. So if that Bruce Brown boneheaded play never happens, the Nets would have had a chance to at least extend their lead to a two-possession lead. And this could have been a whole different outcome once again. So Kyrie Irving had one shot in overtime, did not shoot much in the fourth quarter at all. And I think Kyrie had a quote that he was being used as a decoy tonight, which I don't know why. I mean, Kyrie was playing well in the second and third quarter. That floater in, in, the, uh, in the paint was going for him. His mid-range shots were going. Some three-pointers were going in for him. Like, it looked like he was finally starting to get into the groove after... You know, for some reason, that Barclays does not look great so far, but he was starting to look like himself. And then in the fourth quarter plus overtime, Kyrie did just about nothing offensively, was basically given no opportunities, which is frustrating. So I don't know why that's the case and why that happened, but that's something I noticed for sure. So hopefully going forward in these remaining five games, he'll get more touches in crucial situations. I mean, when Kevin Durant's getting constantly double teamed, I know Drew Holiday played really great defense on Kyrie, but I'll take the one-on-one opportunity versus KD getting doubled by Giannis and Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, whoever. So that was a situation that was a bit confusing to me. I don't want to completely sit here and blame Steve Nash. I mean, what are you supposed to do in that situation? You know, like 
your final play of the game, you're going to give it to Kevin Durant and see what he can do with it. I remember on the Kevin Durant final shot where it rimmed out on the three-pointer to potentially win the game, um, Goran Dragic, who inbounded the ball, was wide open. So Dragic passes it in and then cuts to the basket. And basically, the guy guarding the inbound, who was uh, Giannis, just got off of Dragic. And Dragic was wide open for a left-handed layup. But Katie did not see it. I think Katie kind of had that tunnel vision going on and knew this was the shot he wanted to take. But if he, you know, for some reason passed out of that shot to Dragic, it's an easy lay-in, and the Nets, uh, I think, would they have won the game or tied the game? I think they would have won the game, right? They were down one point at that point, I'm pretty sure. Yes, I think they, had, they were down one point because Katie gave them the lead after the three foul shots. Giannis made both, which was clutch on Giannis's part. So that, you know, a two-pointer would have won the game there, unfortunately. So if you go back and watch the replay on that final shot, you'll see Drogic passes it in and then cuts the basket, and he's wide open. But you can't really expect Katie to make that pass. And, and Katie, once again, had some amazing passes in this game. He had that one where he just threads the needle to Nick Claxton for a dunk in the first quarter. But Katie also had five turnovers in the first half, which, like, you just cannot have that. So that was a bit annoying, but we did see some good passes from him. So I guess that was a step in the right direction. It was a very good all-around first quarter from Katie. And then we kind of got some of those lazy passes in the second quarter. It just came down to a lot of the same issues as last year in that playoff series where the Bucks are just the more physical dominant bigger team and even though we have Andre Drummond now it didn't change anything because they out rebounded us 57 to 41 11 to 5 on offensive rebounds we had way more assists shot way better from three so that's why the game was close but they had 17 second uh, second chance points compared to our five we won the turnover battle by six that's good news but you look at points in the paint, I mean, they were 54 to 38 in favor of them. So you don't want to see that. And the Bucks' biggest lead was four. Ours was 11. I remember it was 50 to 39 at one point. So the Nets had this game for most of it and, of course, gave it away at the end, as you know. So that's not what you want to see. It just, it just felt like a lot of the same problems from last year. I know that's a different roster. There's different guys and Drummond's a big guy, but it still did not change enough. And just looking at the free throw discrepancy, the Bucks were 28 for 34 at the line. The Nets were 11 for 16. And that includes a couple of Andre Drummond bricks in a key situation when I think the score was 110 to 103 and Drummond just bricked the hell out of two free throws. But yeah, I mean, 34 foul shots compared to 16 is a very big difference. But a lot of it comes down to the Nets just giving Giannis a free runway and giving giving him momentum. And if if you give Giannis a full head of steam, it's too late. Like unless you want to stand in front of him and take a charge, which I think the only guy that would do it is Blake Griffin, who doesn't even play. Um, then you're just put, putting yourself in the situation where you either want to give up a dunk to him or just put him on the line. And the Nets put him on the line a bunch of times. We saw fouls from Kevin Durant. We saw James Johnson pretty much intentionally foul Giannis a couple times because they did not want to give up the easy dunk. And to Giannis's credit, I mean, he started out the game like nine for nine at the free throw line. He missed a, a pair. Um, I think sometime in the fourth quarter and then missed a pair in overtime. But for the most part, Giannis had a really good free throw shooting game. So I give him credit. But the Nets, I guess it was a lack of aggressiveness and just not really trying to play the same style Milwaukee was. I mean, like when you're hitting your shots, the Nets almost shot 50% from three. You should win those games. But when you get out rebounded that much, especially on the offensive boards and then 
You look at how many more foul shots they had uh, compared to us. That was really the change in the game right there. So it's just it just feels like the same crap different year, unfortunately. So I I'm not convinced the Bucks are a much better team than the Nets. Like I still would like to see a series between these teams, and I do think the Nets could win a series if it came down to this uh, series at one point, but. I don't know. It's just not the right matchup for Brooklyn, and we saw it last year. I know last year was tough because guys got hurt, but you know, even this year, Milwaukee, I think, is now 3-1 and one versus the Nets because the Nets have the opening night loss. Milwaukee beat the Nets' asses at some point on their home floor the other game. Of course, they won tonight, and the one time the Nets beat Milwaukee was about a month ago in the game Kyrie only played in um, at Milwaukee. I I think it was no not overtime I think I don't know if it was overtime it may have been overtime but it was the game where they kept fouling at the end but the Nets won by like one or two points but um they've been for the most part good matchups this year so this was a game that obviously got away but I'll look at some of the individual performances talk about who played well so Drummond only had four points which is not what you want to see only two of four shooting 0 for two at the line We'll talk about Kyrie. He was 9 of 22, so once again, not an efficient Kyrie game. He was 4 of 9 from 3, and I don't know. I mean, he had his moments in this game. I talked about he hit a couple floaters, hit a couple threes, but it just he still doesn't look right so far at home, so I'm hoping that changes. It has to soon because we still have a lot more home games to go this year. I think like 4 out of 5 or maybe 3 out of 5. Our home games remaining. Bruce Brown was awesome. He did shoot 17 shots, which might be a season high, but he was 8 for 17 at 23 points, had 5 rebounds, and Bruce was 3 of 5 from downtown making those corner threes, which was nice. Seth Curry, you know, 16 points, 6 of 13, 4 of 8 from downtown, made some big shots in this game. Durant plays 45 minutes, 26 points, 10 of 21, 7 rebounds, 11 assists. Did have six turnovers, which that's the bad part. Kyrie had three. And Nick Claxton was five of six. I remember the one shot he missed was a big one in overtime. But um, he had 11 points, eight rebounds, had some good moments on defense. But, you know, I mean, it's it's tough to stop a guy like Giannis. You know, it is what it is. But Claxton had his moments. And, and Bruce Brown actually had some really good defensive moments as well. I think there were two or three separate occasions where Bruce Brown – um, blocked Chris Middleton on the jump shot. Like you don't see that very often, so I was impressed by that. Goran Dragic, um, five points, two of six. He didn't do that much in the scoring department. Patty Mills only played. Um, he played 16 minutes, but was one of three shooting. So Patty Mills did not have the biggest impact in this game. Kessler Edwards plays five minutes. James John James Johnson, by the way. I mean, the Nets in the third, second quarter, one of those quarters. They were in the bonus with like eight minutes to go. And then James Johnson comes in here and basically intentionally fouls a guy on the Bucks with like two or three minutes left in the corner. And it's like, dude, like how do you not – like that's just like such a stupid play. Like you know your team is in the bonus and you're out here just giving fouls away. And I think he fouled like Drew Holiday. It was a good free throw shooter. Like why are you intentionally fouling a guy basically and putting him on the line? I mean, Kevin Durant said something right after that happened. It's like, dude, what the hell? So I, I just, as I said, I'm just done with the James Johnson experience. I'm done with this team in general. But the James Johnson experience, I'm just, I'm just looking forward to when it's over. There's probably no chance he's back next year. But like it just has not gone well. We've gone through that cycle of guys. It was first Wilson Chandler. 
He was terrible as a net. Then it was Jeff Green. Jeff Green was a delight. You know, he was huge in Game 5 last year versus Milwaukee. And now it's James Johnson to play that same role. And it has not gone well. So maybe the guy we get next year, the veteran forward we get next year, hopefully he's better. It can't get much worse. But so far, Sean Marks is one for three on getting those type of guys. But... You know, no Blink Griffin tonight, no Aldridge once again. I think Cam Thomas was available, did not play. So, um, but yeah, it was just a lot of the same crap, you know, just Milwaukee just being physically dominant and out-rebounding and going to the free-throw line and taking advantage. I mean, you know, I, I can complain about certain calls with the refs and all that, but to be honest, the refs handed us a gift by getting Chris Middleton, their best scorer, best shooter, I should say, out of the game. And, you know, the Nets were up seven or eight points at that time, and they still couldn't win. So I, I can't sit here and blame the refs. Were there some very questionable calls and some soft calls that went Giannis's way? Yes. But, like, at the same time, when Chris Middleton's taken out of the game for a, a bullcrap reason, and I'm not afraid to admit that it was a bad call, um, you have to just close out that game. So I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, we lost because of the refs. Like, no, that's just a ridiculous, like, cop-out answer. And the only person the Nets should blame is themselves. I mean, you know, we can sit here and blame Steve Nash all we want, but I think I think a lot of it's lack of execution with players too. I mean, for Kyrie to just shy away from shooting the ball in the fourth quarter in overtime, like that's like what are we doing there? Kevin Durant not making clutch shots versus the Bucks has been a continuous thing. I mean, you know, we go back to last year missing the you know game tying shot and and tonight having two opportunities to win the game missing both shots i know they're tough shots but still like kevin durant if he makes one of those shots still the nets are in a different spot so um you know looking at guys like drummond drummond had to play this game where he he missed an alley-oop on a lob from kevin durant if he just catches that ball and dunks it the nets win the game and don't go to overtime so it's just small stuff like that you know i mean it's some of it's unfortunate, unlucky, but I, I put just about as much of it on the players as I do Steve Nash. I mean, do the Nets look prepared all the time? No. Do they look like they have a strategy in mind? No. I mean, that's that's on coaching. But at the same time, the Nets have such a talented roster. When you have Durant, who might be one of the best scorers of all time, and Kyrie's one of the most talented players of all time on the same team, and you still can't facilitate uh, consistent wins in big games, like looking at the Charlotte game, looking at this game tonight, that's a lot on the players, you know, like how, how much can you really coach a Kevin Durant who's been around for 13 years? How much can you really coach a Kyrie Irving who's been around for 10 years? You know, like how much can you really coach those guys, you know? So, um, I just don't know how much of it you can put on coaching. I know Steve Nash is far from perfect, but I just think a lot of the blame has to go on the players as well. So that's where I stand. Now, speaking of stand standings, Yes, Network put out some of the current standings right now. So the Nets are basically tied for 10. They have the same identical record with the Hornets, who are 9, according to this graphic, and the Hawks, who are 10. Now, we play the Hawks on Saturday night, and the Nets have to win that game. If they don't beat the Hawks, they're probably going to be a 9 or 10 seed and have to win two games in a row to get into the playoffs. So that's a problem. So if they win on Saturday... I will feel pretty decent about where the Nets are at. Of course, tonight's a big loss. Sunday was a big loss. But if they can win Saturday, it can help salvage where we were. Now, I told you guys in the last video, I was hoping to split the Milwaukee and Hawks games. So we still have a chance to do that. But just having this game go the way it did, where we 
pretty much had the game in hand and then lost it at the end, it makes it tough to deal with. But at the end of the day, we still have Saturday to look forward to. And if they can win that game at Atlanta, then they can hopefully... You know, it's not out of the question for the Nets to go undefeated the rest of the way. Like, I don't want to sound like the optimistic Nets fan now, but just looking at the schedule, once again, it's it's easy. You have the Hawks Saturday, who, you know, they're playing well, but they're a 10 seed. I saw Trey Young had a leg injury, a groin injury tonight. I don't know how serious it is. I'm sure it's not that serious, but they play the Rockets the next game at home. Like, that's an easy one. You play the Knicks on the road. You should be able to win that one. You play the Cavs at home. They're, they have a couple injuries right now on that team. And then you get the Pacers, who are just, like, actively tanking. So, I mean, like, you have four games that you should win. Like, they're going to be favored in those games. They might even be favored on Saturday. So, like, the Nets might be favored in at least four out of five games and probably five out of five to close out the season. Now, can they go out there and do it? That's a different story because they just don't play good defense consistently even tonight they came out and played very well the first half of the first quarter defensively and I'm sitting back saying all right good the Nets are going to try tonight defensively that's what you want to see and then it kind of got worse and worse as time went on so yeah I mean I just I'm looking at the schedule and I just don't see a reason why they can't um, finish out this year strong I'll look at the Hornets schedule we know the Hornets hold a tiebreaker with the Nets I believe the Hornets won like uh, two out of three games against us this year. The Hornets remaining are at the Sixers, who lost tonight to the Pistons, and they could be resting guys. I don't know, but it's a 12-30 game on Saturday. That's a weird time. Then they're at Miami, who, you know, they've been kind of up and down lately. Versus Orlando, that should be an easy one. At Chicago, that's kind of a toss-up. Versus Washington, who they should be able to beat. So the Hornets have two, three kind of tough games left, but I could see a scenario where the Hornets go 4-1. and one. Like, they're they're playing good basketball right now. LaMelo's been on fire. We know Miles Bridges having a great year, so um, it would not surprise me. The Nets don't have much margin for error, but luckily they kind of – control their own destiny uh, destiny on Saturday when they play the Hawks they can at least if they can win this game versus the Hawks Saturday can just get rid of them kind of and just focus on the next four games going forward I don't think the Hornets will go undefeated the rest of the way so if the Nets can at least go undefeated which I think is possible once again I'm not counting on it but just based on how easy the schedule is it's possible if they can do that they'll get themselves in the eight seed possibly seven but probably eight seed and they'll at least get two chances to get themselves into um, an actual playoff series, and they'll probably play the Heats or the Bucks or something like that. So we'll see. But it's it's a tough time right now. <clears throat> I'm trying to think the next time I'll talk to you guys. I might talk to you guys after Saturday's game. I don't know what I'm doing Saturday night. I'll probably be watching the game, obviously. But um, depends how busy I am that night. But we'll probably talk on Saturday or Sunday because the Hawks game, once again, is very crucial to the rest of the year. So we'll probably talk about that game and talk Saturday or Sunday. So anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed. Um, try to hang in there, Nets fans. Tough one. But um, hopefully they go undefeated the rest of the way and hopefully get into a playoff spot and we'll see what happens. But anyway, hopefully you guys enjoyed and I'll talk to you guys next time.